When it comes to retirement planning, you literally can't afford to procrastinate. You have to be prepared for any possible financial challenge. Let's make sure that you're ready for retirement. It's time for the Retire Ready Podcast with Kyle Hammersmith, investment advisor, representative, and founder of Mocan Wealth Management. Welcome to another edition of the podcast. It's time to retire ready with Kyle Hammersmith, President and Investment Advisor Representative at Mocan Wealth Management. And we're going to talk about some bad money habits that could spoil the retirement party. Uh, so we don't want to have those. Bad habits are inevitable. We all have them in various walks of life. Nothing wrong with necessarily having those if you can identify them and try to uh, work against them or work uh, for them, I suppose, however you want to kind of put that. But we're going to talk about why, from a money standpoint, especially for your future self, this could be a bad idea. Kyle, what's going on, buddy? Welcome to, to July. So I hope you had a good 4th of July. Yeah, we survived. Um, we got some good pool, got some good pool time in. The kids got to watch a couple fireworks go off. So nice, it was nice. a good, good couple of days. Got got the heat, got some sun, and ready to kick them back into the school. There you go. Are you? Uh, hey, were you man in the grill? Were you on grill duty? Yeah, just one day. Okay, all right. Yeah, my wife got this new pizza oven. Uh, and, uh, she's just, uh, been trying to, you know, master, she's like home making dough and stuff like that. And she's been trying to master it and she's not had the success that she's wanted. So, uh, I was like, just let me get on, on the grill and do something. So, <laughs> so she, she got a little mad at me cause she was really wanting to work on her pizza oven some more. And I was like, well, keep working on it, but I'm just going to make some hamburgers just in case. <laughs> so, uh, we had uh, family over as well. So I hope everybody had a good 4th of July. And uh, enjoyed yourself. So now let's talk about, and of course, that was like a, you know, if you had a 4th of July party, cool. You don't want to have a party, though, retirement party ruined by having some bad money habits. So let's get into a few things and talk about a few, maybe some of the habits you've seen over the years, Kyle, or ways you've seen it impact someone's financial life and, you know, maybe share some consequences of what some of these things might bring to the table. Uh, And let's start with just one that was very easy to do the last number of years up until 2022, which was being addicted to the rising stock market. Uh, we all, I think, felt a, felt a little uh, guilty. Not feel guilty is a good word. I think we all fell into the trap. That's what I'm looking for. Of you know that 10, 12 year bull run, right? And it's easy to kind of get addicted to those numbers going up and feeling like they that's always going to be the case. But if you didn't keep an eye on your risk, it may have burned you. When 22 happened, right? If you were tech heavy, for example, going into 2022, you may have lost 30, 35%. Yeah, it's called fear of missing out. Like, yeah, you know, mar- markets climb up, you know, let's get in, let's be more aggressive. This is really the the investor who kind of just really constantly changes the, uh, their risk profile. When times are good, they're aggressive. When times aren't good, they're conservative. At the end of the day, usually that type of investor will underperform the stock market long term just because they're emotionally investing. And they're trying to predict what's going to happen. So like being addicted to a rising stock market, you know, like what's to say like the beginning, you know, the first five to six months of this year, mm-hmm. we've had really good returns depending on how you've been invested. Yeah, I think it's up um, this year so far, isn't it? Yeah, all the indices are up. But like at the end of the day, there's like 10 stocks that are moving, you know, 75% of that growth where there's a handful of stocks that are either, you know, barely up negative or mm. So, you know, it's kind of misleading, but then a day you can't just be, you can't turn the TV on and be like, Hey, look, the NASDAQ's up 20 some percent. Like right. what's, what, what's going on here? Because if you try to kind of try to ride a rising stock market, you know, that, that can get you in trouble. But I think any, any investor's goal kind of no matter where you're at should be, how do I, how do I outperform the stock market, but with less risk long-term? 
Yeah. Well, you mentioned emotionally. That's actually on my list here as well as a bad buddy habit. Being too emotional versus strategic, right? And, and that's where you come in. Yeah. I mean, I, I will tell anybody to their face whether they're thinking about working with me or they're working with me is I absolutely hate these risk profile questionnaires that the industry uses and it gives you a score and says, hey, you're moderate, right? Right. Well, what does that mean? I will, right? I, I will basically tell you this. We're going to invest with math first, basically saying what's the minimum rate of return you need long term to maintain your goals and your retirement plan. Yeah. And we're going to use We'll invest with emotion second because emotionally you could be moderate, but if you're going to invest your money to not hit what you need, you're guaranteed to fail. Mm-hmm. And if you want, let's just say you need an, a six, let's say you need six and a half percent long-term to maintain your goal, but you want an 8% return long-term. It's basically saying, here's the additional risk it adds in to your portfolio. Yeah. And that's where we take away the emotion is it's very emotional with the ups and downs, but if you can use math, it, that's kind of the goal. Yeah. You know, and, and that flows into the next one, which is really uh, procrastination, right? So kind of using the rising stock market or even the uh, the emotion part, if you're procrastinating, making a financial decision for whatever reason, so the market's up, you've been enjoying it, you've been riding this 10-year wave, and you know that you should probably check your risk tolerance, your risk analysis to kind of see, you know, hey, I'm it's been a 10-year wave. I started this at 45, let's say. Now I'm 55. Maybe I should look at paring back some risk or just see where I stand. But you kept putting that off. And then you did get burned. Well, then that's because of procrastination, right? So, and we're all guilty of it, but you got to be careful, especially as your time horizon shortens up. I, yeah, I, I honestly think this is the worst habit to have. I call, I basically call this type of person a professional financial procrastinator. Is <laughs> right. Well, when times are good, you don't want to make any changes. Right. Don't touch it. Right. If it ain't broke, don't fix when, it. When when times are bad, right. you don't want to make any changes. But that's when and everybody before, wants to make changes when times are bad. And then before like you know it, a couple of years go by, you're like, oh, I remember going to Kyle's two-night retirement workshop and he was talking about Roth conversions and maximizing Social Security and dividends. And <laughs> before you know it, it's five years later and taxes are up. And the I better call that guy. <laughs> and the stock markets have hit all-time highs. Like I, I always tell people the number I go, what if you would have known this five to 10 years ago? Like, would your situation look different? And yeah. everyone would be like, yeah, I, 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 it would. And I go, well, having the information and education is great, but if you don't do anything with it, you're, you're no better off than where you were before. Yeah, exactly. And again, we all procrastinate about various things in life. You know, just, you know, there's a corner of my yard I've been trying to clean up forever and I just keep a look at it and I go, Ugh, and I go someplace else and do something else. So I don't want to deal with it. But that time horizon factor is going to, it's going to get short on you, right? I mean, it's a coming. Retirement's coming. We're all aging. Uh, you know, we're living longer, sure. But at the same time, you've got to do that. And procrastinating is just eliminating your options from just a sheer number, just a sheer time element, right? The, the closer yeah, you get to retirement, the less you have to move. It's pretty simple. Doing nothing changes nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with the uh, the line from the Rush song from the Canadian band Rush, uh, Free Will, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice, right? Exactly. So you're doing nothing. All right. Uh, let's talk about another one here. Bad money habits. Uh, well, procrastination was one, but pretending is another. Pretending like X, Y, or Z will not happen to you. That's the kind of thing that happens to other people. Often this falls into line with you know a long-term care event, right? Some sort of 
maybe major illness uh, affecting you, right? Or or your loved one even. Yeah, well, that doesn't happen to us. That happens to other people. Yeah, pretending like, hey, I'll never need skilled care. Like, why? Right. Why? Yeah. Why? I've I've had home insurance, car insurance, life insurance, never all used it. insurance yeah. over my whole life. Like, you know, but the idea of I'll never need skilled care when I'm older. You know. Yeah. You know. Hopefully that's true, but. Right, right, I'm but pretty, that's like I'm playing pretty, Russian pretty, roulette, right? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure the numbers are basically between like sixty and seven percent of baby boomers will need some type of skilled care. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe not going into a nursing home, but usually that's like the last stop, right? But it's still like, expensive. Ha, ha, how are you going to deal with it and plan for it? Because yeah. that type of event can like put you on your knees if you're not properly. You know, you could have all the money in the world saved, and your retirement and investments are doing well, and before you know it, there's this this type of expense that's going to last maybe a year, two, three, four, five, and you're not properly, you know, for your situation, your spouse or your family. Yeah. And now every, everyone's kind of uh, reacting to the situation. Well, and you mentioned spouse. That's a good point because in a lot of times in these situations, Kyle, it'll never happen to me. Then it happens to you and then you deplete your retirement funds and who's left with the bigger pickle. Usually it's the spouse, right? Uh, especially if it is a bad long-term care event because you're not really aware of what's going on, you know, maybe depending on what, you know, was wrong with you medically, but often it's the spouse who has wound up having their retirement chances totally blown out of the water because you guys have had to burn through the family nest egg. So... You know, procrastination and pretending not good in this scenario, especially again, we're talking about bad money habits. Uh, All right. So kind of in that same vein, let's let's kind of keep rolling with a few more here before we wrap up this week. Living beyond our means. Uh, Again, fairly easy to do. Also, right now. Because of the inflation, right? It's everything's so high. So you think, hey, okay, I'll just put this on the credit card and I'll get it paid off later. Well, if you're really good about managing that kind of debt, great. But be very careful because these this high interest rates right now are just killing people. Yeah. I mean, based upon your lifestyle and where you're at, like for me, I would literally never work with anybody that lives without their means. Like they were going to blow through their retirement savings because they they believe that they're money can really provide them more than what they they can spend mm-hmm. um so their whole retirement is going to be based upon stock market really um as long as there's up market they're going to be fine but a down market you know it's going to put them on their knees and if they can't properly make an adjustment to decrease their income by 15 and 20 percent for a handful of months yeah you know they're going to continue to sell out losses and not be able to recover from that so you you know it kind of just comes down to like what's your lifestyle going to be? Are you, most people are like, hey, I'm going to maintain my lifestyle that I was living while I was working. Right. We usually don't want to go backwards, right? Or I'm going to increase it for a a short period of time. You know, do some dynamic spending and spend more in my first five to six years. Sure. Because we, you know, but you kind of just have to understand like how is that possible? Live within your means and like not taking on unnecessary debt, which I don't really see a lot. That's good. Um, but really, it's, it's more or less just like spending more than what you really can afford to spend. Well, and I think even living beyond our means could be innocent enough in some respects, Kyle, because we tend to vastly underestimate what we do truly spend, right? I mean, people often go in to see a professional like yourself for the first time and you're trying to go through some of the information and they're like, well, how much are you making a month and how much are you spending? And they say, well, this is what we're, we, we've done some math. We're going to need $5,000 a month in retirement. And you go take a look at their numbers and you go, well, great. You're making 8,000 now and you're spending eight. <laughs> so where are we going to get the other three from, for example, right? So it, it's easy to underestimate in this nickel and dime world, how much we truly spend. Yeah. I think it's getting a good understanding of like discretionary versus non-discretionary. 
and coming to grasp is like, here's what we're, here's what we need and here's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the one in one hand and you know what in the other, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, let's do last one here, Kyle. And this one, I think we anybody who's a homeowner, more than likely, or, or owned a vehicle and ever had to do repairs can relate to the, my analogy on this one. Uh, and that's going it's going cheap to save money, right? Or, or doing something yourself or hiring that, that, uh, you know, contractor or that friend to come over and do some plumbing or whatever the case might be. And what, you know, usually ends up happening is it goes wrong and it costs us more in the long run to fix it. Right. So basically not hiring a good quality professional to do something for you. We've all been guilty of it. We've all done something somewhere where we, we kind of cheaped out we paid the price. So avoiding professional advice because you think it's going to quote unquote save you money is probably not the smartest move. Even a massive company like Vanguard, who has some really cheap options for DIYers and stuff, they even have studies that show using an advisor is helpful. It can, and that can actually help you, you know, do a better job. And that's just on the investment side, let alone taxes and you know social security option and maximization there's just so many facets to this you're kind of fooling yourself and it's a bad habit to just think that you're somehow saving money by not using a pro i'm always honest with people i go if i'm doing one of my workshops i'll basically say half of you in here do not need financial help um okay not saying you don't need it you just don't want it either you have a bad outlook on the industry or you're a diy investor and you want 100 percent control the other half, the other half of you in here want the help or you need the help. And now you got to go figure out what's the best path to doing that. Because if the cheapest path doesn't always mean it's the best path. It's, right. What do you get in return? Like what's the value provided? Are you getting just a pie chart and statements and the lowest bid wins? Are you looking for someone that's in your corner that's going to actually provide you value? You know, half of my job that I do is just behavioral finance, like educating clients not to sell low and buy high. Um, and not to overreact to news right? and that type of stuff. Talking people so it really off the comes ledge. down, you know, financial, you know, it's really just, you know, what do you want? But it's it's for those half of people. Like some some people just don't want it and don't need it, but the other half do. And now you got to make sure you're making that right decision and not just saying, hey, well, I've been with Fidelity my whole life and I'm just going to stay with Fidelity because they're, they're bigger and they're better. Right. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, not paying for advice could be one of the bigger mistakes you have because – you're going to just wing it or not do anything about it. Yeah. And winging, it's not something we really want to do in retirement. And if you think about working with financial professionals, there's, they come in all different kinds of shapes and sizes uh, from a firm standpoint. Right. So, you know, maybe you, uh, you know, some people kind of like the, the boutique firm, like I would consider like, you know, Kyle, you're like a boutique, you know, financial advisor, advisory firm. Uh, people feel like they've got a little bit more. They're not a, they're not a number, right? You mentioned fidelity or whatever. I'm just going to, they're massive. Yeah. But I'm also just a number there. You know, I want a little bit more customization or I want a little bit more, you know, just even just feeling like, uh, you know, I matter kind of thing that can go a long way to, you know, having a financial professional. I can't call up, you know, uh, and use a robo advisor and, and tell it to talk me off a ledge about my daughter wanting to spend way more than we allotted for her wedding. Right. But I can walk into you and sit down and, and, and you can do the same thing, but I just kind of feel like I'm getting that response. I'm having a conversation with somebody who can relate and who can say, okay, let's try to figure out how the, how to handle this the best way and see what we can do to kind of make both of you guys get what you want. I don't know. I, I feel like there are certain industries where, Still talking with a, a human, or still and having someone across the desk from you is goes a long way, and I feel like my money is one of those. 
Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. So the you know, bad money habits, folks, they're easy to do. Bad habits in, in general are easy to do. So do yourself a favor. Try to nip them in the bud. Uh, and, of course, working with a professional can be helpful because they do offer, he just said, that behavioral kind of aspect of dealing with our money. So if you need some help, reach out to Kyle. Get yourself onto his calendar. Have a conversation. No cost or obligation often to talk with advisors, and Kyle's the same way. So you can do a couple of things. You could reach out and get the Retirement Ready Toolkit if you'd like to. And schedule some time either way, but it's uh, it's easy to do. Just stop by the website, mocanwealth.com, M-O-K-A-N-Wealth.com. Again, mocanwealth.com. Or call him at 913-257-3991. Kyle, thanks for hanging out and uh, have yourself a good July. I'll catch you a little bit later this month. Yep, take care. All right, we'll see you next time here on Retire Ready with Kyle Hammerschmidt. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google, uh, Spotify, all those podcasting platforms. We'll see you next time. Investment advisory services offered by duly registered individuals through Creative One Wealth LLC, a registered investment advisor. Creative One Wealth LLC and Mocan Wealth Management are unaffiliated entities.